Hi, I'm Andy Scarantino, and this is my view from the roof. Hi, I'm Andy Scarantino, and this is the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Every week, I'm going to be talking about a new topic to help you guys get the fuck off the shit that doesn't serve you anymore. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I used to work as a bartender, and I lived in the New York City bar scene. I smoked between a pack or two a day, and I was what you'd call quite overweight. I learned that the secret to adopting a healthy lifestyle is a series of mindset shifts. Unfortunately, they don't always come with an owner's manual, so I decided to start this podcast to give you guys the nuts and bolts without you having to do all the research on your own. Getting healthy does not mean you have to sacrifice your outstanding personality, and it actually can be quite a fun journey. I'm really excited to have you guys on that journey with me. Let's get off together. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Get the Fuck Off podcast, now known as View from the Roof. I'm doing what I like to call, what we call in the restaurant industry, a soft open, which is soft for everybody except the employees. And this is really just to get you used to the idea that it's still me. We're still talking about the same stuff. The reason that I decided to change the name from the Get the Fuck Off podcast to View from the Roof is because I started talking about stuff. That's just a little bit deeper than just get off the smokes, get off the sauce, get off your ass. I mean, I love, I love a good symptom visitation. So we want to drink less, we want to smoke less, we want to lose weight. Maybe we don't want to have our porn addiction anymore. Maybe we don't want to overwork anymore. But all those things are just symptoms of this collective dis-ease that we sometimes feel as people. So instead of focusing on the symptoms, I've decided to focus on the actual problems. And I want to actually read for you guys a Ram Dass quote. It's not bad, I promise. It's not weird. It's not woo-woo. But it's from a lecture that he did. So I'm going to do my best to make it as entertaining as his, his was. But he said, Everybody thinks they're somebody, and so they have a storyline. And the problem is we get trapped in our somebodiness. We get so well socialized into being somebody. We went into somebody training. We got born because our parents thought they were somebody. And somebody's trained somebody's. They don't train nobody. So you become somebody. You really know who you are. You've got diplomas, and people say, she's really somebody. And then at some point, you begin to realize you got trapped it's called the moment of awakening. When you see you got trapped in your somebodyness. And that no matter how luxurious your somebodyness is, it's like a large prison cell. And usually the first thing you feel is sort of pain and dis-ease. So you go to a therapist, and the therapist helps you rearrange the furniture in the cell. That is one of my favorite quotes from a Ram Dass lecture that I've ever heard because that is exactly what the therapist does. It helps you rearrange the furniture in your cell. And when I started my last cohort of day one, I wrote about this very thing. I wrote about this idea, this metaphor of a house and how, you know, some people are 
just going to rearrange the furniture in their house. But some people, the very few, are going to realize that they don't even need a house. What does this mean? I know, I'm getting a little bit deep here. But what I'm trying to say is that the things that you think that you need, that you are, all that somebodiness that you believe that you are, is not you at all. It's all programming that you have developed. So when I'm talking about rearranging the furniture in the cell, what I'm talking about is this idea of, let's say a person has a job that they hate and that job is causing them to not be able to function well in their body. Maybe they're not getting enough sleep. Maybe they're constantly in a situation where they're too stressed out to function. So what they're doing is they're trying to rearrange their day so that maybe we could get up an hour earlier and go exercise or maybe I can try to work on these strategies to talk to my coworker. That's what I like to call rearrange the furniture in the cell. And what that person doesn't realize is they don't need that job. They can go do something else, but they might say something like, Oh, well, I need to do this because I've already done this for this many years and I only need to do this because I'm already this and I don't know how to do anything. And what people don't realize is that everything, no matter your age, no matter your occupation, no matter what, everything is fucking changeable at any given time. You don't need to rearrange the furniture in the cell. You don't need to just move that couch that you don't like that's sitting by the window over to the other wall. You can just take that couch and haul it right outside. Or, you know, what a therapist kind of helps you do is they help you make sense of these past events oftentimes where you see yourself as a victim. So sometimes you can just see yourself as a victim, but it's okay. They did their best. My mother did the best she could is what I hear a lot. And, okay, like, that sort of works. It sort of works. That's sort of halfway there. We're sort of getting there. That's like maybe adding on a room to the house. You know, maybe now, instead of all those rooms that you don't like, you've added on a meditation room. But you're still living in that house that's falling down. But the meditation room's there. So you can kind of go and you can go and, and do your meditation. And, uh. But that's still, we're still just rearranging the furniture. We're not actually realizing that it's all, this is where I'm going to lose people. It's all perfect. And my work in personal development, in consciousness, in coaching, transformational coaching, I'm not talking about just, oh, making my situation feel a little bit more bearable, but actual transformational coaching is throwing the furniture out to the curb. And you know what? Eventually, someday, burning down the house. I don't mean actually burning down your house. Please, nobody burn down your house. I am not liable for any house burnings. I'm not even talking about a real house. I would like to just throw that disclaimer in there. I'm not talking about a real house. Do not burn down your house. But what I'm saying is (laughs) that all of the ego that you've built has been built by you. It can be destroyed at any time. And honestly, anything can happen. Get the fuck off started less than three years ago. And I am here to start speaking loud about real shit that I see. I want to talk about what I see with my eyes and what I feel with my soul. Because we can't, you know, I started following somebody named Zen Benefiel. And it's like he's speaking the gospel for me a lot of the times. And, and, and he says we can't 
think our way through a system that's based on vibrations. You have to feel your way through it. It's one of the most brilliant things and it's, it's so true and I agree completely. Everything shoulders up is designed to keep you alive. That's true. I've talked about that when we were the Get the Fuck Off podcast, that your brain is often deceiving you. Your brain and the story and the reinforcement of the story. We just finished up day one on July 1st and something that I worked with with a number of the individuals is that you do not need to come into a room and give everybody the backstory for who you are and why you are the way that you are because every time you tell that story, you reinforce it. Every time you tell that same old stale story that you've told a million times, you actually tell yourself that you are that thing that you don't want to be any longer. And a lot of people feel like they're discrediting themselves and their past and their trauma by not coming in and telling the whole story right from the get-go. Like they feel like because they're not telling that story, they're somehow invalidating all of the pain and the bullshit that they've gone through in their life. And the truth is you just got to throw that story right out. It no longer is there. It doesn't have to live today. And maybe you're going to see the residue of what has been today. But slowly, remember the universe is on a lag. I used to say this a lot when I was the Get the Fuck Off podcast. The universe is on a lag. And eventually, as you live you're going to start seeing shifts. So why view from the roof? Well, let me tell you a little bit about me and my human design. So I am what's known as a 6-2 profile in human design, which is essentially the role model hermit. But my life actually takes place in three parts. So the first 30 years of a 6-2's life, right before their Saturn's return, their Saturn, Saturn's return happens around age 27, is that the 6-U-2 actually lives their life as the three line, which is the experimenter. Actually, my ex-boyfriend Mario, who I was with for the longest time out of all my relationships and is still one of my closest friends today, is uh, a 3-5. So he is still an experimenter. We were experimenters together at the same time. I actually had a lot of experimenter-type friends when I was younger because and a lot of six-line friends. Because the first 30 years are lived as the experimenter. So you experiment with a lot of things. I did a lot of experimentation, not necessarily with like things like drugs, but I did a lot of experimentation with trying on different identities and being different people. I think one of the reasons transformation is so easy for me is because I did it. I changed my identity like I changed my underwear for the majority of my 20s. And I used to say the line, your 20s are like dog years because every year it's like, it's like seven years. You just change and change and change and change, change again. So I went through a period of living like the next William S. Burroughs and and crawling the streets of Midtown at 4 o'clock in the morning and being that person and being a drunk and being a cigarette smoker and being a sociologist and going to Columbia. (laughs) What the fuck was that? I'm like... Uh, you know, crawling the dirty streets, know the know the the bums on Forty Fifth Street by name, smoking cigarettes outside of the bar, shooting the shit. Then I'm sitting in Ivy League classroom, like Monday through Friday. I'm you know experimenting with sexual deviance and puritanical values. I mean, I'm atheist by nature, atheist born, so wasn't raised with any religion. So I'm trying on religions and then I'm not trying on religions and then I don't care and then I care deeply and then I care about, I mean, I was um, 
I've always had gender dysphoria, but for a time, I was like, maybe I'm going to dress like a boy for a while. No, I don't like that. Maybe I'm only going to wear dresses for a time. No, I don't. And, and it was just a constant evolution, and I was everyone, and I was everything, and I was trying on everything, and being everyone, and trying on different belief systems, and figuring out who I was and how I was, and then I hit 30, and everything was wrong. Nothing felt right anymore. And why am I doing this? And I feel like I, I feel like my life is going to hell. And, you know, it's funny is that my parents did not respect my work because I worked in a restaurant in Times Square for over 11 years. For me, that work was brilliant because it taught me about every type of human that there is. And anyone that I worked with will validate that. You don't know the richness of humanity until you've had an experience to inter- in interact with or engage with humans from all over the world every day of your life like I don't care it's there's just nothing like that there's nothing that could teach you more about how humans operate and it really set me up for coaching because this is something else that the humans that I worked with will verify when you work in a restaurant you work with a lot of hot messes I mean, you work with a lot of phenomenal people, but a lot of hot messes come through. And they're usually there for a short period of time until they inevitably do something to get fired. But, you know, you work with people that are pathological liars and and drug addicts. And you you work with people that just have some shit going on. Or people that are insanely creative and and, and are just are are playing life like an instrument. I mean, you just you just really get the richness and the flavor of all kinds of people. Great people garbage people I mean just all kinds of people there's just so many and it's all beautiful and it's all well and it's all so perfect in all that it is and you start to see how cohesive humanity is and how all the fibers come together and what makes everybody special and why they're special and it's just such a a beautiful thing and all of that was beautiful through my experimenter years because I wanted to know more. Like, tell me more. Come in and tell me more about your beautiful life and what makes you, you. And by 30, I was so sick of it, I couldn't stand it. I was like, I don't want to hear one more story from one more person about why that is what it is. I've already heard it. I don't care. And um, I'm talking about view from the roof because what I've realized is that the 6-2 after 30 goes on the roof. And this is a commonality of a 6-2 profile where they, they kind of withdraw from society a little. And they go on the roof where they reflect on their experiences. They lick their wounds. A lot of 6-2s have health issues around Saturn's return. I certainly did. I mean, my alcoholism was creeping up on me. I remember one morning vomiting in a McDonald's bathroom after a night of binge drinking with my ex-boyfriend and it was like yellow number five and I was like what is going on with my liver what is going on with my liver oh my god (laughs) I was like holy shit um and just all kinds of health problems that popped up around that age and thankfully I got my health in order but a lot of people have a big health scare around 30 because the experimenters are just going off the rails a lot of people get into drugs that are six twos I didn't but just because they want to touch and feel and taste and, and, and everything. And it, it was, and then we go on the roof. And we stay up here about 20 years. And then we're about 50, we come down. And, and then we, we really take our place as, as that kind of knowing person, that person of authority. I'm 37. I'm still here. I'm up on the roof. 
And I noticed myself really following that because I only found out about my human design a year ago. And before that, I just thought, well, I, I guess I just don't like people very much. And I know that that's not true, but the two line is the hermit line. And that doesn't mean that we don't like people at all. It just means that we are selective about who we hermit with. So I do love to speak and communicate to the masses, but I am very, like, I, I'm, it goes beyond introversion. I'm a hermit. <laughs> like, I'm an actual hermit. And I live as the hermit. And I've been that way since I was a child. You know, if you don't know your human design, download the My Human Design app. You can find it in the app store or I think you know Google Play as well and it's great and what I would do what I would say to you is if you can pay the six dollars just pay the six dollars to get the full report all you need to know is where you're born the day you were born obviously you probably know your birthday and the time you were born um if your mother is still with us please ask her uh, or you might know. You might just know what time you were born. Um, and look it up. And what I hear from everybody who hears about their human design is that it brings them a lot of peace because it brings them understanding that, oh, the way that I am is by design and it's okay. And I don't need to force myself. Like when I found out I was a, I was the line of the hermit, I was like, I don't need to force myself into extroversion all the time. I'll do it if there's a higher yes for me. But if there's no higher yes, I'm not going to force myself into extroversion because I'm not an extrovert. And um, it was very liberating for me. But as I'm here on the roof, I want to give my view from the roof. And that is why we're changing the name to view from the roof. So that is this is the soft open. I'm going to be hopefully over the next couple of weeks recording a new show open and maybe finding some new music or maybe I'll just record some new words over the old music. I don't know. You guys let me know. Andy, A-N-D-E-E at getthefuckoff.com and uh, let me know what you think. So my view from the roof today is something that has been on my mind and what's been on my mind over the last few days has been digital body language and it really started with Meta's release of the Threads app and the first thing that I noticed on the Threads app like the I think I was there day two of it was just how authentic and real it felt and it felt that way compared to Twitter compared to Facebook compared to Instagram I loved Instagram for a long time and I was like well why is it that this app feels so different than everything that already exists. And why does it also feel familiar? Like there's something that's familiar about this app that I haven't experienced in a really long time. And what I realized about it was that it reminds me of the OG internet. Like when we were just fucking around, I mean, I've been writing on the internet for over 20 years. And in the oldest spaces of the internet, in the days of Blogger, in the days of chat rooms, in the days of uh, some people used Vine, for example, with those six second videos. I forgot what they all did. Old Tumblr. Um, you name it. Old Facebook. I mean, really just old OG internet. MySpace. Um, what we were doing 
is that we were talking. We were humans that were talking to each other. It was to messenger. Uh, we were humans and we were talking to each other on the internet. And when you had something to say, you said it. And if someone else had something to say, they said it. And then if you had a response, you would respond. And if not, then you wouldn't. And it was people really authentically connecting. I spoke about Zen earlier in the podcast. I've been reading a lot of his stuff and, and, he, and he talks about the connections that he made in different communities in the early 2000s. And it's it really brought me back because I had spent a lot of time in this space in the early 2000s. And I had been missing that connection. Like I'd really been missing it. And then when Threads came around, I was like, wow, this feels like like something that I haven't seen, like an old movie from my childhood that maybe I haven't seen in a really long time. And, and I started realizing that what we've been doing on the internet is defying our digital body language. Because digital body language is actually a thing and uh, there are there's etiquette there's etiquette to digital body language and we don't we haven't necessarily been following that etiquette I mean there is a lady uh, her name is Erica Dawin she wrote a phenomenal book about digital body language and I'm just going to give you an example you know you see all of this repetitive content on Instagram and on Twitter from people that are trying to get other people to answer them to rack up followers and to boost their algorithm so they'll say something like and I'm gonna actually I'm just gonna redirect I wouldn't walk into a room in the real fucking world and say list five things you're grateful for and go like I would never do that and yet you see fucking posts like that all the time on the internet. Who the, why are you doing that? Like that's not how people talk to each other. No one goes, what'd you eat for breakfast today? Like no, like, I mean, yeah, I guess they do that one. But like to just randomly announce it to an entire room, it's just more noise in, a, in an already noisy space. Um, I'm going to put a, a link to uh, there's too much noise in the void because I wrote this piece uh, on Biz Catalyst 360 and I wrote this piece a couple of days before Meta released Threads and what I wrote in this piece was this idea that there's just so much fucking noise with how-to articles and stale recycled Canva graphics. I know all these coaches and I know that they're just trying to get reach, but they're not creative writers. And so they're just like reposting the same old crap. And I'm like, you could talk about your own experience rather than reposting the same old crap like you're a human you've lived a human life and if you talk about your human life people are going to want to talk to you because they don't want a repost of the same old garbage they want to hear human story and you know anyone that's ever been a teacher of mine right up until including the one that I'm just started following but I mean when Andy spoke I fell in love with Andy with Andy and it was and he didn't always do that but when he had his spiritual awakening in, in 2019, he started posting some intimate shit. And I was like, I don't care what I have to do. I got to know you. 
And that's how I've been with every person that I've ever fallen in love with and followed that has helped me level up in my experiences because they haven't been shy to come here and talk their truth. But so many people are afraid of their truth that they're just reposting the same old shit or asking the same old stupid questions and it's making the internet a fucking echo chamber and you just, you just wouldn't do that if it was the real world. Because it is a real space. Because we do exist there. Not just sometimes, but all the time. We exist there. Our energy lives there. It exists in that space. And you wouldn't just bloat your actual world with garbage. You wouldn't sit at a bar and ask garbage to the person next to you. That person would pay their tab and leave. You also wouldn't, in just polite conversation, repeat the same story over and over and over again. Like you wouldn't go to the same audience and repeat the same story 25 times in a week. Somebody would think that you had a problem. Like they would think, I said in LinkedIn today, that it would seem like you're at the bottom of a bottle of Johnny Walker because that's what people do when they've had too much to drink. They repeat themselves over and over and over again. We don't want that. And I think... I get it. Everybody wants to be noticed. But here's the thing. And, I, and this is going to be a little bit controversial. While you are the leader and facilitator and number one authority in your own life, not everyone is a thought leader. And that's okay. Everybody innovates in a different way. Remember, Ray Kroc built McDonald's, but he did not come up with the idea for McDonald's. The McDonald's brothers came up with the idea for McDonald's but they would be nothing without Ray Kroc and actually Ray Kroc fucked them over and he was kind of a sleazeball in the end but he built something that has fundamentally changed the world but he didn't come up with the idea that wasn't his idea it wasn't like he didn't he didn't come up with that system of efficiency he didn't come up with that miraculous delivery he didn't come, he didn't invent fast food. He was just an executor. He was an executor and he was an innovator in different ways. And, you know, I think that with this, this internet and, and the way that it's been, we all think that we all should behave the same way and, and we shouldn't. You know, that's something I really wish I knew in the early 2000s. I wish that I knew that being as I am had a relevance and a place. And when I look back, and I wouldn't change anything about my experience, but when I look back, people like Mark Manson and, you know, even my friend Ashley, I mean, like they have been blogging since, it's like 2008, since 2009. And I thought what I had to say wasn't worthy in 2008 and 2009. So I just gave up with it. And... That, I wouldn't change my experience because I write very publicly now and I don't care if nobody reads it. I don't care if anyone reads it. I don't care if no one reads it. I don't care if lots of people read it. I don't care if few people read it. I don't care. I'm just going to use my voice and I'm going to say what I have to say when I have to say it. I'm not nonsense reposting and repeating, but, you know, I'm going to say what I have to say when, I, when I'm going to say it. But what I wish I knew back in the early 2000s was that we all have a part to play. We all are a thread, literally a thread, in the fabric of us, in that fabric. And like I said in our last call of day one, I don't need to be the whole stew. I can be carrots. You know, like I don't need to be 
the meat and the potatoes and the and the celery and the whatever the hell. I can just be carrots. There's a place for carrots. There was a place for Ray Kroc. There was a place for the McDonald brothers. We're playing a part. Everybody has a part to play. And I used to think I had to be everything or I had to emulate. And there is, and I, I have the capacity to hold a paradox, so I understand that I can emulate. And emulation is a success strategy. And also, I'm me. And I'm only going to be me. And I'm here to bring back digital body language. I'm here to bring back that feeling. I passed by uh, a friend of mine, Craig James. I know him. Um, we both blog for 360 Nation and, and met on the Friendship Bench. And um, he wrote something on LinkedIn the other day. And I felt him very deeply in that post. And, I, and I've noticed with LinkedIn, something that I don't love with LinkedIn is that people read a post and then they feel that they're going to add all of their thoughts to that post. And that's kind of like LinkedIn culture. And I think, well, that's fine and everything. But digital body language, you wouldn't do that. Like if somebody put out a post and it was deeply touching, like and they were clearly speaking love from their soul, you probably wouldn't respond with words. You might just respond with a smile or maybe you would just shift your energy a little bit so they could just feel you a little deeper and then the two of you would just sit and feel each other. And I did write a comment because I, I, I love reacted to it because I, I felt his love in his words and I, I wrote a comment saying, I don't have a, an original contribution to, to add to this post. I just want you know I feel you deeply like I felt you deeply and I hope you know that and he sent me a very very beautiful long message and it was connection but I didn't need to go an ego flap and that's digital body language like to let someone know hey I'm here I hear you I feel you I see you I have nothing to contribute to this I hear you I feel you I see you like that, that has become less normalized with everyone in their main character syndrome. And we're not all main characters all the time. Sometimes you're the audience. I will uh, link to that as well because that is another piece that I wrote about us all playing a divine part at any time. So that has been, that's, that's been what's going on. Um, what's going on with me? Day one is wrapped up. I have so much energy now that that has happened, you know, I, I was in a space for a long period of time where I was putting a lot of energy into that project. And while I'm grateful that I did so, I really am. I'm grateful that I put the energy that I did into that project. I'm now seeing how much more I have left. I mean, I've had like three people in the last week experience ESP with me I know I'm woo-woo I'm sorry if you're not woo-woo you don't have to be it's not a requirement to listen to view from the roof I was almost gonna say the get the fuck off podcast not a requirement uh, to listen to the get the fuck off podcast to have ESP but I experienced these moments three times in the last week where I was able to connect with somebody actually there's a debatable fourth uh, but it happened at 1 30 in the morning and I was asleep and uh, I think that we need to have a further conversation uh, but I haven't brought it up yet but um, I've had these experiences 
And I'm thinking, wow, what the fuck have I been dumping my energy into? Like, I, I guess I just didn't realize how much was tied up. And, you know, that's why I say to you guys, and this is why every Monday I post the same thing on Instagram. And I post Monday reminders. You are a bright light. If motherfuckers want to go, let them go. Today is a great day to put in your two weeks. And I say it every Monday because on a Monday, I want you to know that you don't need to go through another week of hell at a job you hate. You can put in your two weeks. And I want you to know that when you leave the job you hate, you will have so much energy to bring new things into your life. I mean, it will be... It'll be crazy how much you'll just come in just because of how open you are. So it's Monday and today's a great day for you to put in your two weeks. So please, please do put in your two weeks. Quit this the shit that's sucking up your energy. Even if you, you know, you can do that. You're allowed to do that. You're allowed to stop doing the things that are sucking up your energy. True story. All right. So I think that's it. That was my soft open of View from the Roof brought to you by the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Um, what can I tell you? I mean, get, you know, reach out to me. Let me know what you thought of the new of the new name, of the new artwork. I, it, I made it in Canva for the um, – because my substack is the same name, um, viewfromtheroof.substack.com. You can subscribe to that as well. Um, let me know, Andy, A-N-D-E-E, at getthefuckoff.com. The website's not changing for now. Um, yeah, send me, send me whatever. Let me know who you'd like to see on View from the Roof. I plan to have guests. I've already got a list of people that I would love to get on here to talk. So if you are somebody that's been listening a long time and there's someone you want to hear, or if you're someone that's been listening a long time and you've got something on your mind, reach out to me. Uh, if you're somebody that's been listening for a long time and you have something on your mind and you're afraid to reach out to me, you don't need to be. It is, yeah, I said this as well today. I'll leave you with this. Just because we talk about something doesn't mean you have to do anything about it. And I think that's something that I've learned through my last couple of years in coaching is a lot of times people are afraid to talk about something because they think then they have to do something about it. We don't have to do something about it right away. Maybe we just talk about it. And and that's it. We just talk about it. So Andy, A-N-D-E-E at getthefuckoff.com. I love you guys. Take care of yourselves. Stay safe. I'll be back soon with another episode. And uh, stay beautiful. Stay beautiful.